Robin. What do you think makes a good movie soundtrack, like, in general? Hmm. It's tough. I mean, there's your basics, right? It has to support the theme of the film. Right. Um, it has to slap. Yeah. And it generally has to be made by John Carpenter. Even for, like, a romantic comedy? I was talking oh, about, like... 100%, yeah. Broad. Yeah. Like, not just horror. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. John Carpenter or Danny Elfman? Yeah, fair enough. Actually, I'm going to throw Trent Reznor in there, too. Those are my top three composers of all time. And I know, don't come for me, I love John Williams. Uh, Hans Zimmer can honestly get bent. Um, I don't need to hear any more seismic death charge noises, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of my my broad opinion. Mm. There are some outliers, but they haven't made enough yet. Yeah. Like, um, um, oh, what's his first name? Uh, Gorenson, a uh, guy who does, he produces all of Gambino's tracks. He did the score for uh, Black Panther with Kendrick Lamar. Like, yeah. just people who haven't proved themselves yet. Like, they did, like, first, first couple entries, awesome, but, like, haven't done enough. They don't have the body of work. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my that's my broad. I love that. Yeah, and like in any category, they could all do it. Yeah, no, I I fully believe that. What about you? Well, I think that Creed has not shown up enough on. You know what? Fair. <laughs> I mean, we at least we got Nickelback in uh, Spider Man Two. Oh man, we were talking about that last night because I couldn't remember what uh, what that song was. Um, <laughs> Cause they say you need a hero to save us. God. Um, I somehow managed to make Chad Kruger sound like Michael McDonald. <laughs> special skills, folks. Oh, God. That's going to come back into play. Oh, my God. Save me. Well, you need a hero to save us. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Studio 666? You mean the highly anticipated by maybe only us 2022... <laughs> A horror movie written and done entirely pretty much by the Foo Fighters, because why the fuck not? Uh, That's exactly what I mean. Yes. So I think this is a good time for me to introduce what our theme is for the month of April. It is my birth month. Um, So what I have chosen for us to focus on is... Movies with soundtrack or horror movies with soundtracks that fucking slap. Just go. They just go. Like, they didn't have to go that hard, but they did, and we are better for it. Like, tar- like Phil Collins doing Tarzan levels of, like, Yeah, let's go. the Lion King soundtrack. Like, yeah. shit like that. Like, they did not have to go that fucking hard on that, but they sure did, and we are better for it. Sting with the Emperor's New Groove, too. Yeah. Like, did not have to go that hard. Sure did though. Yep. Hercules. Where I don't know why we're you only talking Hercules. about. I don't know why we're only talking about Disney movies, but here we are. But they've hired very good people to do these soundtracks. Truly. I'm not a Disney adult, but I will give those their their credit. Same. I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the horror babes. Accurate. Here to talk about Dave Grohl. <laughs> yep. And nothing else. <laughs> right. We also want to go ahead and say rest in peace to Taylor Hawkins, who unfortunately yeah. passed uh, last just week. a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Last week. Yeah, so we're sending love to all of his family and friends. Mm -hmm. So we'll be following the normal format here today. Just in case you're new here, what that means is Topher will take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and the crew, and then I will take us through the plot, and then we will analyze said plot. Mm -hmm. But before that, I believe Topher has some horror news. Sure do. 
one of which I'm well, both of which I'm very excited about. But in the last week or so, uh, we just got official trailers for two films we're both very, very excited for. Uh, the first is Watcher. Um, it's coming out June third. It uh, premiered at Sundance back in January, but we haven't gotten a wide release yet. This is from Chloe Okuno, who worked on VHS ninety four. She also won like so many awards for her short film Slut from two thousand fourteen. Um, it's starring Horror Babes alumni. Michael Monroe is playing this gal Julia. She moves to Bucharest. Um, she doesn't speak Hungarian and she's isolated and she keeps thinking that someone is watching her and has committed murders or is going to murder her and there's a weird neighbor. We didn't get much at all from this trailer, but it was fucking dope. Yeah, no, it looks it looks great. I'm I'm it looks vibey as hell. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm getting like real like slow burn thriller with it follows vibes. And not just because it's Micah Monroe, but this is where she shines, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wide-eyed, slow, just like, what the fuck is happening to me? (laughs) Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Something like that. Uh, The other one we got, we talked about this a little bit, but we had only seen the teaser. We finally got the official trailer for Men, Alex Garland's new film. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and we know nothing about what's happening. I mean... No. Yeah. Um, Jesse Buckley is there being cool as shit. I like her a lot. Uh, she's like, her husband has died. He did so in front of her. That's what we know? Like, I don't know. I've got two theories on this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And because Alex Garland... And because Alex Garland is, like, sci-fi boy... Yeah. It's both are plausible, but I think one is more so. I'm going to ask you which one you think. Mm Mm-hmm. So, first one is pod people, right? Like... Pod people. Like, well, I, we keep seeing people being really weird and kind of not totally human. Yeah. So it could be that they're like copies and we like see her husband again at some point. Maybe. So it could be that. Or my other thought is like a, like a, like a death loop situation, like a Groundhog Day situation, but serious. Interesting. Right? I think I would need to watch the trailer again to actually give you a better answer on that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> I didn't really go that deep. I just watched it and was like, cool. I don't know. I don't really speculate when I watch trailers. That's not really how I watch them. I kind of watch them just to like get a vibe. If the vibe's off, I'm not going to watch it. If the vibe is on, then I'm going to watch it. Like, I don't I like know. That. I don't fine. really, yeah. I really don't, I don't like to analyze things in the same way that you don't like to know how much, how much time is left in a movie. I'm yes. just like, I once I see the movie, I'll obviously analyze it. That's why I'm part of this podcast, duh. Um, but <laughs> this whole thing was your idea. I don't know, but before that, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, okay, cool. Dope. Like it, it really is for me just a preview. Fair like, enough. That's it. I get that. Um, but yeah, that's most of what I have really for any sort of interesting news going on. I'm just very, very excited for. We've talked about this every day for the last like four months about how excited we are for this year uh, in horror. Yeah, we've got a lot. A lot is being made. A lot has been made. A lot's coming out from a lot of our favorites. So it's going to be really great. Yeah, and I just don't feel like I'm going to be disappointed by anyone. I hope not. Yeah. So who made this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not John Carpenter, but he is in it. He is in it. 
A lovely cameo. Amazing, amazing. So yeah, like you said, the Foo Fighters made this. Um, it's based on a story that Dave Grohl wrote about the recording of their 10th album. Yeah. Um, the actual screenplay was done by Jeff Bueller and Rebecca Hughes. Um, Bueller is mostly known for being like, he's he's not had a long career so far. He's pretty new to the industry. Um, and he's done, his biggest thing lately has been writing the screenplays for remakes. Right. Right. So um, that is Pet Cemetery, Jacob's Ladder, The Grudge. Those are his like biggest three projects. And he's got a new Pet Cemetery one coming out. Yeah, um, that's that, right. Yeah. Um, so I... I didn't. We haven't seen the Pet Cemetery remake yet. We keep saying we're going to watch it and just haven't gotten around to it. But I heard pretty good things about it. Um, the Grudge kind of got panned. The one with John Cho. Yeah. It kind of got panned, but it looked like it was going to be good. So I'll see. Um, but yeah. Um, and then Rebecca Hughes. Uh, she's yeah, super small career. Um, but so far. So far, exactly. Um, this is definitely the biggest thing she's done to date but i'm very excited to see what she does next death um the director was bj mcdonnell um he's one of the, he's a music video per, uh director mm-hmm. but he has been in the industry for 20 some years working um as camera operator mm. um and he's he's that's his big thing is like he's a guy who who shoots the films, right? Right. He is our, he's big and he does a lot of steady. He does a lot of the steady cam operation, um, but yeah, he's 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 worked on so many major major films. Mm-hmm. Just it, if you go look through his IMDb, you're like, holy shit, this yeah. guy's been everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so he clearly is he he knows the industry and he knows how to shoot shit, um, which makes sense that he's you know. A decent director. Yeah. All right. So our cast here. Well, um, you may have heard of the little band that we've mentioned a bunch of times. If you hadn't heard of them already, you have now in the last 10 minutes. Uh, the Foo Fighters as themselves. Who hasn't heard of the Foo Fighters? I don't know. I'm sure there's at least one person who's never heard of the Foo Fighters. Sounds like a lie, but okay. <laughs> like whether you love them or hate them or, or, or you know, middling about them. Like, I, I think they're fine. You know, like I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself like... A fan, but I don't know. I, I just, I, if, if you haven't heard of them. It would be surprising. They've been around since 1997. Yeah. And then, I mean, Dave Grohl was in Nirvana and. Every other band in existence. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, yeah. They, they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on their very first <laughs> year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have the members of the Foo Fighters, that is, or the current members of the Foo Fighters. So that's Dave Grohl, Nate Mendel, Pat Smear, Taylor Hawkins, Rami Jaffe, and Chris Shiflett. Uh In addition to them, we have Whitney Cummings as neighbor Samantha. Jeff Garland as Jeremy Schill, their, uh, their manager. Mm-hmm. Leslie Grossman as Barb Weems, a real estate gal that Jeff Garland knows. Jenna Ortega, and I, I am so proud of her for getting as high a billing in this as she did for, for having... being on screen for collectively two and a half minutes, if, if that. If, I'm going to push it at like a minute ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's a member of the band Dream Widow, dope band name. Uh, she plays Sky Willow. We have Slayer member Carrie King as Krug. 
Krug. Uh, Will Forte is a nice little cameo as uh, the restaurant delivery guy. Lionel Richie has a nice cameo. A great cameo. So good. Uh, John Carpenter as our engineer. Uh, he's credited as Rip Hate. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and then another really funny cameo from Jimmy Simpson. In the last 30 seconds of the movie, he's got like three lines. And is just like a guy who works at a venue. Yep. <laughs> our composer was Roy Mayorga. Um, he has been in a bunch of different... He's, he's from... Um, he's a drummer from a bunch of different metal bands. Yeah. Um, he's really fucking cool. Uh, he's always been in like a... He plays a lot of like really avant-garde experimental metal, which okay. makes sense for this movie, right? Especially yeah. within the plot to have that be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have two cinematographers working on the film, Michael Dallatore and Eric Leach. Uh, Dallatore has shot just, yeah every like minor horror film yeah um he's yeah definitely somebody who works um in the indie scene uh and definitely in the in the horror scene and eric leach is another guy who has been on every single major movie um as a camera operator Mm -hmm. um but he also has uh he, he mostly shoots with B.J. McConnell doing music videos and documentaries as a cinematographer. Right. Particularly with Slayer. Um, that's how, you know, Krug ends up in the movie. Krug. 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 <laughs> um, this is the first non-documentary film featuring the Foo Fighters. They had done um, their, like, concert documentaries back and forth and then Sonic Highways in 2011 and 2014, uh, respectively. Which I gotta, I gotta shout them out for them not being actors. They're pretty comfortable in front of a camera. Yeah, they've definitely. I mean, if you've been a band for twenty five years, you kind of you've been shot so many times that you're kind of like, yeah, I can do this. Like obviously, like you're watching, you're not expecting like Oscar worthy performances from anybody. You're watching it and fully knowing that they're musicians. But with that knowledge, you're kind of like, it's pretty. Like I'm not, I'm not that disappointed. No, you know? they did a, they did a nice job. They did a nice job. Um. Yeah, I also love that I did say that John Carpenter didn't make this movie, but actually he kind of did because he and his son Cody were also on the music team. Nice. Yeah. That's um, why it slaps. Exactly, yeah. They they definitely worked on the music with the Foo Fighters, helped them write the songs and get the vibe and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and I love that. No, I think it's I think it's great, and I think it's a huge... I mean, there's a, there's a huge reason why we're starting with this movie, because... There are a lot of elements to the uh, the movie itself is about music, um, but yeah. aside from that, having John Carpenter, uh, the the struggle with choosing this uh, theme is that we've already covered a lot of John Carpenter movies, and he is definitely <laughs> one of the leading um, makes a soundtrack that slaps every time. Yeah, you the know, dude knows creators. Score. Yeah. And so uh, it, it it was kind of great to see that he had his hands on this as well. Along with the Foo Fighters, who, you know, are, that's what they do for a living. So, yeah. um, is right awesome rock songs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I was so excited to see this movie. We saw the preview. Um, it came on before we, before. Um, Last Night in Soho, wasn't it? No, it was before Scream. Oh, that's right. And then we also saw it before Jackass, too. So we've, right. we had seen the trailer or the preview twice. Um, and I, it's just, I mean, it just looked like so much fun. And it, yeah, I'm it, excited. It did to, not disappoint there. Yeah, I'm excited to um, 
talk more about that in our third installment. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, it made $3 million at the box office. It wasn't expected to do amazing. It wasn't in theaters for very long. We were trying to go see it in theaters and we missed the window. Yeah, somehow. by like a week. Yeah, like it was only in theaters for a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. maybe a month. Maybe. Um, so yeah, um, but you can still, it's not free to stream anywhere. We did no. rent it on Amazon, uh, which was cheaper than going to the movies. Yeah, it was, it was 20 bucks. Um, and I will say it was worth every dollar. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> uh, but that's enough of me talking for a minute. Why don't you tell me, uh, what, what goes on in this, this little, uh, this little romp here. Okie dokie. So it's 1993 and Sino. We have Sky Willow, who you said is played by, you know, Jenna Ortega, uh, the lead singer of the rock band Dream Widow, which, yes, that's a dope-ass name. Uh, she's crawling along the floor with, like, this broken leg. She's got, like, a bone sticking out, you know, yeah, the whole nine. Yeah, snapped. Whole nine. And then she's followed by the band's frontman, Greg Knoll, who is holding a hammer. Sky sees the body of another band member who has had his jaw broken by Greg before Greg drives the hammer through her forehead and repeatedly hits her head with it, crushing her skull. This opening goes so hard. Truly, it's so great. I mean, Jenna Ortega really just can't get a break in opening of movies. Yeah, lately. we need to go see X and find out if she gets fucked up in the beginning of that too. Yeah, <laughs> just just continue on with the um, with the pattern. But no, the uh, I mean, the beginning of this movie just it, right out the gate. Um, Wow. Full on scream vibes. It's great. It's great. And the 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 we we see a lot more of this gore than we thought we would. Um <laughs> in the it's, first minute. It's great. And then Greg hangs himself from a window. Yep, crashes through the window. Another shocking moment. Like this movie just goes bang bang and you're like, "All right, I'm in. Let's wow. go." Yeah, set Let's the tone. Fucking go. And then in 2019, the Foo Fighters are hired then, so we 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 uh, fast forward basically. They're hired by their manager Jeremy Schill to create their 10th album as a way to raise money for him to pay off his debts. Yeah, he keeps talking about it. Uh, they mentioned the murder, and I, I'm laughing here, and I shouldn't, but of uh, Jamal uh, Khashoggi, mm-hmm. uh, the journalist who was murdered and diced up, and yikes. Yikes. Um, so the group ended up moving into this this mansion, um, this same same mansion that Jenna Ortega was just killed in in 1993, and etc. And that's where we meet our realtor, who... No offense to this actor, she did an amazing job, but I just think it should have been Parker Posey. But then again, I think every movie would be made better by a cameo by Parker Posey. That's fair. Um, yeah, every movie with Parker Posey is immediately made better by the so fact again, that Parker Posey's in it. No disrespect to this actress, she did a fabulous job. Yeah. I'm just saying, Parker Posey. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so they end up moving into the mansion. Um, Dave Grohl is like, fascinated with the house he thinks it's like you know a source of inspiration which again this is this movie is shrouded in homage yes. to the genre like it's almost heavy-handed which it should be because it is campy yeah it's it's intended as camp therefore heavy-handed would be it would be wrong it's if it weren't correct yes um it's so funny because he's they're all so freaked out by the house until he finds the spot in the living yeah, room. Yeah, he's for, like, the, for the drums and he's everything. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, so, I mean, this this movie right off the bat is really fun if you're, you know, obviously if you're a horror fan. Um, but even if you've just, like, if you enjoy, like, music humor or just, like, band humor, like being yeah. in a band and that type of um, relationship with, 
you know, bandmates and everything. And it's like, I don't know. So far, I mean, I, I within the first 15 minutes of this movie, I was just like, damn. I'm, I'm, I'm really living for this right now. And then Grohl and his fellow bandmates warm to the mansion, but Grohl is, is facing some, you know, writer's block. He's got constipation of, <laughs> music of, constipation. The, of the music, music constipation. <laughs> um, and, and he needs to take a big old greasy shit. Oh God. I'm um, quoting the movie here. Not myself. I know. Um, but then, uh, Krug is electrocuted by a wire and he's like a freaking rotisserie chicken just like fucking Oof. ooh and then the band decides to dedicate their album to him they end up staying because everyone else is like we need to get the fuck out but of course Grohl is like no we have to stay we'll just dedicate the album to him such a good one two comedy beat here too because there's a really it's a quick plant payoff but it's perfect because yeah. Grohl is sitting there trying to get the snare drum in the perfect spot Yeah, and Krug's like so pissed because it's quarter inch quarter inch quarter inch too far we gotta go back and yeah. then he finally finds the spot hits it and Dave is so fucking excited and Krug's like yeah man great and then he comes back that's the plant and the payoff is nah man Krug really believed in this album he was so excited about the drums and so they're like yeah. okay we'll get some drum tracks here and then we'll go and hit on like a normal studio yeah so then um, Dave Grohl is uh, just kind of walking around in his constipated state um, not actually constipated well maybe <laughs> I don't know um, this isn't a movie about IBS though. Yeah. But there's um, all those comedy moments of him rewriting the songs they've already written. Oh yeah. Where he That's plays... in the trailer too. Yeah. He starts playing Everlong and they're like, you wrote that song 12 years ago. Yeah. Or like it, whatever. 20 years ago. Yeah. And he's like, whatever it is. Yeah. He's like, that's a great fucking song. And we wrote it 25 years ago. He plays like my hero yeah. <laughs> or all my life or something like that. And I'm just like, this is too great. And that's when we get the Lionel Richie moment when he's playing the, uh, the keyboard. And just start singing. He sounds below. good. He does. He, but but then Lionel Richie's like, "That's my fucking song." I love that song. Don't you touch it. And then <laughs> he just leaves. Um, and then so he's walking around the house. He's I guess trying to get inspiration or just not n- not be bored. Um, but he finds he finds all of these satanic objects, and he listens to this demo tape, and he's like obsessed. He's like, "This it goes hard." Is it? Uh, I fully get it. It sounds great. Um, it's like a really good, like progressive doom metal thing. Yeah. So he's basically possessed by this music. Like, I love the commentary that this movie is giving on like the whole like satanic panic stuff about yeah. like rock music and everything. Like, I mm-hmm. that tied into all of this that's already there just makes it even, even more better. funny yeah. and just just better. Um, but anyway, so he ends up being possessed by listening to this demo tape from the deceased frontman of that previous band. Um, so then under this demon's control, he forces the band to continue the production on the album. They're making like a 42 minute long song. Like they're yeah, like, it ends what up being, is going I think they on? Say it's 43 or 44 minutes by the time it's done. Yeah. So then we meet um, this sweet delivery man played by um, Will Forte. Forte, yeah. Will Forte. I always want to say Will Fredell, but that is literally 90s king. That's Boy, Boy Meets, Meets World, World, Batman Beyond. Impossible. Ron, yeah, Ron Stoppable. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's not him. It is Will Forte. Um, just as good. McGruber himself. Exactly. So he's playing a delivery man who earlier tried to give... Um, Dave Grohl like a demo tape but of course he was like eh. um, yeah but- he was just like accidentally a dick to him because he's so pissed off he's like you're Dave Grohl he goes no I'm not yeah 
I Dave Grohl can actually write a fucking song. It's a it's a he's real Danny's feelings. not here right now. He's, though. Yeah, he's like all in his feelings, like being being a musician, a little bit of a diva because yeah. he's like the only thing that matters is this album. I don't care about this poor delivery man standing in front of me. I asked for extra ranch. <laughs> I guess I'll just use the marinara. <laughs> and he's like shuts the door. Um, so he comes back because he orders, uh, they order some more food like the next night. But a then, shit ton of steaks. <laughs> yeah. But then he ends up being decapitated outside the mansion by an unknown figure with hedge clippers. We don't really see, we don't see the monster. Poor guy. Uh, he just had he just had a bunch of ranch for Dave and his demo tape. He was really he really wanted to impress Dave. He really did. And then the next day, um, Chris Shiflet, who is the guitarist, um, he's cooking on the grill. The same figure pushes his face into it. It is very this is very scream. This yes. gives me big scream vibes. This movie is like a combination of like scream. Josie and the Pussycats. Um, like, again, Parker Posey. Parker Posey should have been in this. Um, I think a younger Parker Posey could have played um, um, what's-her-face's role, the neighbor. Um, oh, Samantha. Samantha, yeah. yeah. Whitney Cummings. Yeah. Whitney Cummings' role. Um, but anyway, again, no no, no, sh- no shade to uh, Whitney Cummings. It's just I think that Parker Posey makes everything better. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Chris is attempting to escape, but he has his head smashed with the grill cover and is stabbed repeatedly in the neck. And then our figure is revealed to be Grohl. Yeah. So then the band, later, moving on, um, <laughs> the band finds the corpse of Darren, but Grohl convinces them not to call the police and takes their phones. And then after watching him eat Chris, literally. And they don't realize that it's him yet. They just see a bunch of like raw ribs. Yeah, and before this, his steak was completely raw, and one of the band members was just like, the one who ends up dying, he's like, why don't I take the grill tomorrow? Because mm-hmm. he's literally, and he's just like, just leave mine raw. It's so juicy. It's like, <laughs> ugh. That's the running through line that Dave Grohl can't cook, and he like burns the shit out of everything. Oh, God, yeah. his He cannot make a burger. Um, Ugly. Yeah. And then... Uh, they then uh, then they kind of learn a little bit about the mansion's backstory, and then they find out about Grohl's possession with the help of Whitney Cummings, who plays uh, Samantha, the neighbor. Yeah, um, who's been trying to warn them this whole time through you know different messages and notes and stuff. Yeah, She's... puts a note under the lemon bars covered in cocaine. <laughs> yes, and then they're trying. They're going to try to exercise Grohl. Not take him to a, a soul cycle class. They're like trying to like, you know. <laughs> Get the demon out. Perform an exorcism. Just, you know, there's a small spelling discrepancy and I wanted to be clear. <laughs> um, they English w- is fun. English is stupid. The dumbest language. Um, they need to find a book needed uh, to free him of the possession. It's a book that's made from human flesh. Gross. It looks like it has a butthole on the front. Yeah, it really does look like an anus. As you said, they don't specify which part of the human flesh they They don't. Use. They just say it's made of human flesh, and I think it's made from a booty hole. Whoop. <laughs> and then Samantha and Rami are having sex. Yeah, um, Rami's like, I'll stay back and protect Samantha. And she's like, yeah. Because yeah, she's, a, she's a former groupie. She was Greg Knoll's number one groupie. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, it's... it's uh, Pat and um, Nate are like, okay, we're going to sneak off and get the book. Taylor, you have to distract him. Go to the drum tracks. Yeah. and Just then, fuck it up a bunch. That should be easy for you. Yeah. Um, 
And then they're both killed because Grohl is snuck under the bed and drives a chainsaw through their heads and cut they he cuts them fully in half this is the second movie in a row where we've watched <laughs> someone get cut in half from from what did i say in the temple last to temple from temple to temple <laughs> head to vagine it's literally while whitney cummings is, is coming haha uh, yeah. And the chainsaw goes right through her face and into <laughs> Rami. Listen, when I'm watching a horror film, what I am looking for is gore that is so unexpected or just out there and just insane that I start laughing because I don't know what else yeah, to do. That's so... exactly what happened when this kill yeah it's using gore's comedy it's amazing no it was great i just like because it's so shocking the only thing (laughs) i know to do is laugh and that's amazing i love it when i can laugh at like a gory scene because i don't know i don't i i i'm i'm not i'm not easily grossed out or anything but it's just when it when you know that something is so good you just start laughing (laughs) i'd ah it was a great moment for me um don't tell my therapist that. Uh, and then drummer Taylor Hawkins is pressured by Grohl to finish the song while Nate and Pat retrieve the book from the basement, just like you were saying. And then Taylor finishes the song and is partially decapitated by Grohl with a drum cymbal. Yeah, he hits him with the crash right through the face. Bruh. That part also I got me got a little when giggle out of me. he just slides down in his gushing blood from yes. his mouth. And it's just like upwards into the symbol and you can hear it making the sound it's so good yes the gore as comedy here in camp is immaculate it's it's really really good because he's like i finished the fucking song yeah you did taylor great job boom it's (laughs) like a frisbee through his mouth perfection (laughs) um and then they they end up freeing him from the possession like they're successful in this he's a super Um, gross pull is holy water (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So then we see the souls of the deceased dream dream widow band members um, send the demon to hell. So my um, I forgot to shout out like the I love the little demons that are kind of running through the house. Oh, like the little gorgeous. shadow yeah, guys. They look really good. The they shadow look really people good. look awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they just come. They pop up, you know, whenever weird shit's happening. Um, so then Jeremy and the real estate developer Barb. Uh, they ambush the remaining members, revealing that they planned the whole thing. This is also really great. Again, relating this back to like rock and roll, and mm-hmm. uh, they, he was he he has this whole monologue about you know rock and roll is not relevant. We need something to make it relevant again. It hasn't been relevant in a long time. The devil's always the been devil's, a part of it. Yeah, yeah, and this is like what we need to make it relevant again. Um, again, playing on the satanic panic and like the hilar- the hilarity of all those parents thinking that some songs had like subliminal messages in them. And yeah. if you play it backwards, it sounds like this. And I'm like, of course it does, because you're supposed to play it forwards. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you playing it backwards? Yeah, it's another really good plant payoff here, too, in that... Um, at the beginning when Dave is like doing his whole rock star thing and like, Hey, we really need to just like, we've got to find the sound. It's all in our brains, but we, the, we need to find a place for the right sound. We've been in every studio all over town. We've done all of these things. We know what we've, we've done that before. We need to do something new. Yeah. And he's like, she'll goes, 
oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, and calls Barb, and she knows immediately what to do, and then we go to the murderer mansion. Like, it's... And then we find out that that was planned the whole time. I was like, that's a weird thing. And then that was like, ah, shit. Yep, plant payoff. Love that. Good writing. Very good. Very calculated. Okay, so here's another really, really um, wild but great gory death. Smear is fixing a car from underneath and... um, Yeah, he's trying to hotwire the van because they don't have the keys. Exactly. And and Mendel is stabbed in the eye. Yeah, he hits the wire and it goes all the way through into his eye. Guns the gas in reverse. (laughs) Yeah, which then runs over Smear's head and then runs over Barb. So just like everyone's dying at once. Just like any good horror movie, (laughs) like at the end, everyone's just dead. Um, And then Mendel gets out of the car to help Barb. She stabs him through the chin and dies alongside him. Grohl battles Jeremy only to back down in horror when Jeremy tells him the album's success and start of his solo career. God, so... I love that it says battles him. No, they sit there kicking each other in the nuts back and forth for like three minutes. Of course they do. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that that's the word that's used in the synopsis. Um, But then one year later, Grohl, the only Foo Fighter left, uh, prepares for his first performance as a solo artist. And then the film ends as he shows signs of demonic possession. And that's where we get Jimmy Simpson. Like, Yeah. And, and again, this, this end, this end scene especially touches on the idea of like selling out as an artist and yes. going solo and selling your soul to the devil. Like all of these things are intertwined and, all of these things in, I'm sorry, I'm just launching right into like my thoughts. on. Yeah, the yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Um, but all of these things tied in together. You think, you know, you're going to watch a silly film made by the Foo Fighters because why the fuck not? That's literally what they said in the Rolling Stone interview. He said, we made a horror film because fuck it, why not? Yeah. Um, but then you get all of these like clever and... Um, maybe not like relatable, but you know what I mean? Like you're you're able to spot these themes and it's not just like them fucking around the whole time. It has a narrative. It has a purpose. It's hilarious and it's gory. It follows a traditional horror structure that we're all really used to. And yet it puts such a fun spin on it that I, I don't think I've had this much fun watching any movie in a really long time. It's Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Yeah, it's totally It's that is. level of funny so and goofy fun. and just stupid and meta. Shocking kills. Yeah, good gore, yeah. fun writing. Um so not so speaking of the meta thing, um this is all a giant meta joke about a thing that kept happening a few years ago. So they the fans kept being like, Foo Fighters are going to break up. There are all these rumors that they were going to break up and that Dave was going to have a solo career, which he's never wanted. When he originally did the Foo Fighters, he actually hates the name of the band. Does he really? Yeah. Um, he's like, no, I did. I just, I, I used it as a cover. I wasn't going to keep doing this. That's not what I intended to do. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't want it to be about me. I just wanted to make some good music. It was after Nirvana. Yeah. And then him and Nova Selleck were like, we shouldn't work together because then it just feels like we're, it feels weird without Kurt and all of that shit. Yeah. So anyway, so years later, he's, there's all these rumors that kept pissing the band off of like, they're going to break up. Dave's going solo. They're all going solo. And they're all like, no, dude, we're, that's, none of us want that. We're all mm-hmm. like studio musicians, session musicians, professional tour musicians. We just like making fun music. That's all we are here to do. There's nothing about a solo career. Like, Grohl does technically have a solo album. Um, yeah. Probot, but it's not. It's it's him working with all of his idols, um, right? And the first Foo Fighters album is technically a solo album. 
um, because he did everything. But that's different, right? So there was this great bit they did where they did this, like, short documentary where uh, Dave Grohl left the Foo Fighters to go pursue an electronic music career. (laughs) <laughs> and then the band replaces him with Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. What? So they have, have, how have I not seen I, this? I don't know. It's amazing because they have hilarious. Nick Lachey singing all these like Foo Fighters songs and like completely changing the oh sound like in his like boy band style. Oh my God. Nick Lachey on, he's a host on Love is Blind. And he, oh, is he really? <laughs> yeah. Him and his wife, um, Vanessa. Vanessa Lachey now. She used to be on MTV. Like Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Just like his other first wife. True. Uh, but, but no, he's so funny. The first season, he's like, and I'm Nick Lachey, obviously. Or he says oh something like God. that. And everyone was like, on the internet, everyone was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> so now he like makes fun of himself a lot for doing that. I love That's that he good. has a sense of humor about it. But yeah, anyway, I just love, I, I love the jokes that these guys do because it's always been, they've always been goofy, right? Death. Look at look at the Everlong video. It's goofy. Look at uh, learn to, learning to fly with Tenacious D as two guys on a uh, uh, airplane who put their weed in the coffee and everybody starts tripping out and Dave Grohl plays all the different parts and like is just a yeah. goober. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this it's their personalities really shine through in this movie and you can tell that they had such a heavy hand on this and I think I I mean I'm just when we saw the previews for this I was so excited and I'm so happy that I was not even an ounce disappointed no even pleasantly surprised yeah it it, it was relative to how much I was already expecting I'm always worried about these types of movies um showing all of the best parts in the trailer yeah like a snakes in a plane situation yeah but this movie no like the from top to bottom it's entertaining it is so fun um Pat Smear is my favorite part, honestly. Yeah. Pat is so... I just love that he's just like this little goober with his Ebenezer Scrooge outfit. And he's sleeping on the counter because he doesn't get a bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) And like Pat Smear is one of the like most important guitarists of the last 30 years because he was a touring musician for... He was a touring and session musician for Nirvana. Yeah. Is how he got his start. He's been in every other band since then. He's been in the Foo Fighters on and off for 25 years. Like, it's just... And just for him to be like this just goofy guy who always has his Doritos. <laughs> he it's just so really wants cute. his Doritos. <laughs> it's so cute. I, yeah, I mean, and I already talked about this a little bit in the plot where, where there are so many elements to this. This is not just like a light horror film like yeah yeah it's campy and funny and everything but you've got substance to it they're they're uh they're obviously making fun of and critiquing the music industry they're while having fun the whole time and they're paying homage to a lot of everyone's favorite horror films they've taken it's amazing that they have john carpenter as like a cameo and he also had his hand in this like we talked about in our who made this thing um segment but like i i just 
I think they did. Su- I don't think they could have done a better job on this movie. Seriously, no. I there, there's it no parts stellar. of this movie that I can critique. I mean, the acting's not great, but I wasn't. But expecting we weren't it expecting to be. that. Yeah. yeah. And the acting in some of our favorite horror films not great, especially yeah. if we look back in the '80s and all the slasher films that we love. No one's giving any Oscars for acting to uh, Slumber Party Massacre. Which, listen, you could argue now since they are paying homage to all of those that that was a stylistic choice. Exactly. I know it's not. They I just know it's can't not, but act. I, I, but but I could. could. If someone tried to press them on that, which they won't, um, you could just be like, yeah, that was a stylistic choice. Watch any <laughs> horror film from the 80s for the most part, and yeah. you will not see stellar acting. No. Um, but yeah, so another fun thing is that this is the actual mansion they recorded Medicine at Midnight in. I knew that. The yeah. actual 10th album they yeah. recorded in this mansion. And it's just so funny. Like, I'm just like, guys, that's just, everything's on the nose. And it's all perfect. It's just like, a, it's a little boop. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, I think we should. I think we should talk a little bit about um, since this is, I guess we can call this soundtrack month or soundtracks yeah. that slap month. Um, I get. We should talk a little bit about this soundtrack and what makes this such a spot on amazing horror film soundtrack here. Well, I think first and foremost we have to mention uh, that Dave Grohl invented a new. He found a new musical note. L sharp. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> what key is this in? L sharp. But what about <laughs> what about H I J K? G H. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's L solid writing. Sharp. It's so stupid. But G H. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It, it all begins with that. He literally found a new key. You're right. I don't know how I forgot about that little detail <laughs> that he created a new note uh, and a new key. But yeah. So I mean. I'll start by saying that a good movie soundtrack in general, and obviously falls under more specific categories as well, is something that you, when you hear it, you're like, I would listen to that apart from this movie. I would go on Spotify right now and find their their playlist that yeah. either someone, like third parties make, make a playlists for movies and stuff on Spotify. That's um, how we had to listen to Someone Great Forever because they didn't release the original. They didn't release, yeah. Um, But that soundtrack is killer. Yeah. Because it's nostalgic in in a perfect way. It makes you feel nostalgic for a time that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And just like the uh, High Fidelity series on Hulu, which that whole show, you know, it surrounds a playlist. So they wanted to have kind of a um, companion piece to that being the playlist um, that ended up on Spotify and maybe other music platforms. I'm not sure. Right. But there, it's definitely on Spotify with the the cover art of the playlist is Zoe Kravitz in the record store, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of that was curated by um, a bunch of different music supervisors, including Questlove. Yeah. I think Questlove was a huge name on it. So um, Yeah, and Nathan Larson. Yeah, so like, so that's obviously something, an element to think about. Like, would I listen to this outside of um, watching this movie? And maybe sometimes when it's, you know, some movies have more instrumental soundtracks, maybe that's not completely true. But then jump to me fully dancing at the bar to the Halloween theme. So it yes. just depends. It yes. depends. Sometimes an instrumental can fucking slap. And if it has a good beat, here we go. I own all three of John Carpenter's independent albums. Yeah. I have lost themes one through three on vinyl. Like- you do. You sure do. We bought it at Rough Trade. I remember. Um, 
But uh, yeah, you also can go listen to this soundtrack because they made an entire they made an entire album together as the Foo Fighters, but actually as Dream Widow. So they oh, made, nice. they wrote a full album for this. They technically have their eleventh album. <laughs> I think that's great. I love it when a movie comes with a companion piece like that, like mm-hmm. like Josie and the Pussycats. I listen to that that soundtrack when I am working out. It is honestly it's another example of they didn't have to go that hard but they did and we are better for it i mean look at like say what you will about tarantino but the dude puts together a fucking good soundtrack we listen to at the bar because we play records at the bar we listen to the once upon a time in hollywood soundtrack that has the radio commercials in it too i listen to the reservoir i love that i love that and the 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 uh, Kill Bill soundtracks and Romeo and Juliet. I listen. I play it every fucking day. Top I work. Five. Top like, five. It's there. There are soundtracks that go hard, and the ones that you go yes, and it supports. Like I said it up top, it supports the theme of the film and the moments in the scenes, and you can play the movie back in your head as you listen to it. Definitely, definitely, and I think that um, I love that you you shouted out that you kind kind of can relive the movie while you're listening to that because that's something that I definitely do when I hear a song like uh, we, we mentioned someone great I can't hear that Vampire Weekend song um, without a mansard roof yeah. I can't I can't hear it without thinking about that particular scene in the movie I can't think of Supercut by Lord in any other way even uh, a song that I've loved for years before I even saw the movie um, Best American Girl by Mitski yeah. when they're having that devastating sex scene in Someone Great God. I, that's all I think of now which the song was sad to begin with so yeah. it's not it didn't it's a ruin Mitski it. song it's not gonna be happy it didn't ruin it for me in any way but I um, it, it I certainly think about that now when I hear that song um yeah and uh yeah so i think maybe i think i think maybe one more thing that i want to touch on that we're gonna that will set us up for the rest of this month sure is why in horror does a soundtrack really matter this is one of those genres where i think it's very specific to horror like obviously a soundtrack will set the mood for any piece of art any piece of media yeah music is an intrinsic part of film um from the beginning because we before we had talkies we had organists we've talked yeah. we talked about that with like my birthday month when we mostly did silent films yeah and see like talking about how they there have been different interpretations of what the organist should be performing to things like nosferatu or caligari yeah but I guess something that I would love to explore is you don't go to a romantic comedy and in the beginning you're like, oh, there's that theme. You know, Generally or like... Generally speaking, like you have to have beats in a romantic comedy. Like you have to have the swell at the big final moment. No, but you know, what I'm saying is you aren't going to watch like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and at the during like the... Um, title track you're not gonna get like a like a like a sting and hear a theme that was written for that movie that this is what i'm talking about like we have the halloween theme you hear it you know exactly what it is we Mm -hmm. have the rosemary's baby um theme you know exactly what you're what what it is when you hear it i would argue yeah i would argue that love witch has one too um and definitely put Last night in Soho on that as well with the uh, interpolation of downtown throughout the score, which we talked about yeah. when we covered it. But it's so cool that the 
take a song that existed before the film and incorporate it into yeah. the actual score of the film by interpolation and slowing it, like redoing it. It's a, it's a new, it's a sample, it's an interpolation, whatever, yeah. but it's a completely new song now. No, a thousand percent. And I guess that's that's what makes this theme genre specific for me. Right. Like we could talk about music and movies for for days and years and centuries, right? We have, and we will continue to do that um, because it is an intrinsic part of film, like sure. you said. But I guess, I guess what I want to kind of explore this month is that decision to write a theme for a movie. I think the only other um, genre maybe that will could compare is something like sci-fi. Like you know, yeah. you know when you're about to watch period a f- pieces. Yeah, I know. Like you know when you're about to watch like a Star Wars film. Yes, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, there's no question about it. Yeah, I would put sci-fi fantasy in the same category there, right? Like I know every theme from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but I I'm going to put those a little pedantic now. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Sorry, sorry, um, sorry. That's that's my job here. Right, um, but you know what I'm getting at. I 100 percent do. I'm completely you agreeing. You don't go into a comedy. Yeah, you don't want you. You know what I'm saying. So that's what I kind of want to explore. Like, where where did we start kind of writing very specific themes, and like why? And um, yeah, like what inspired that sort of very personal stamp to be put on these movies, and why does it? Because it works, and why does it work? Like, you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Why do I know the theme from the thing, but not from Norbit? Yeah. That's that's yeah, that's pretty much my question. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a question that I would love to kind of set up to be discussed for the next four four weeks here. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be a fun moment of exploration into this genre um, because, yeah, again, you you hit the nail on the head when you said that music is an intrinsic uh, part of film. And I think that. Um, I think it, I think it'll be really great to actually dedicate a month to kind of exploring that idea through different lenses of different films that have mm-hmm. been very influential as far as music composition. Yeah. And on the other side of that filmmaking and using music to create an atmosphere, to create an environment because that's so crucial. Yeah, it's such a good tool to use to create your environment, and then also lack thereof yeah. of music. Like mm-hmm. that is also yeah, a that tool. is a musical choice. That is a musical choice. So I am very excited for this coming month as someone who is such a an embarrassing music nerd. And I mean, music we both fan. literally studied music in college. Yeah, so I am right. <laughs> I am so excited to nerd out about this whole month. That's why I chose this as my birthday month. I just want Fuck yeah. I want to be celebrated as a nerd. Yes, I can do that for you. So um, with that being said, Mm -hmm. I think that wraps us up today, right? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those movies that I'm so excited about that I'm just going to not shut up about for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's not really much like analysis to go into it as far as like like, depicting or like there's not so much analysis to go into this as far as like picking this movie apart because it is a straightforward narrative and there are, you know, nuances to it. But like, yeah, I mean, like a lot of it, a lot of the comedy, like the comedy is fantastic in this. And this is something I just wanted to say really quick is that um, this is the perfect movie for me to use along with Tucker and Dale 
that expresses that whole thing I say all the time that comedy and horror are the same genre. It's just where, how you make the beat happen. Yeah. Um, it's what kind of turn you take. Mm-hmm. And this is where they blur the lines really well, as they did in Tucker and Dale. Yeah. Um, I do love that the one thing I, the last thing I'll say is that my favorite meta part of this movie is turning Dave Grohl into a diva when he's notoriously the most chill person in the music industry. Oh yeah. So like fun. he loves not being in the spotlight. Yeah. Um, it's actually his least favorite thing is being in the spotlight unless he breaks his femur on stage and then he creates a oh, throne for himself. Oh my God. That's so, that, that whole story is insane. Um, but yeah, like he, I think I've seen him with a band I really like called Ghost Mm-hmm. He toured with them as one of their drummers for a while. Mm-hmm. And there's a reference to him being in the band Ghost. They're a Swedish uh, like black metal band. Or not black metal. They're like... Um, it is one guy who is surrounded by demons. He is the anti-pope. Oh. Uh, he is currently aging backwards for a while. That was the first time I saw him. And he was... Uh, he started the show as the anti-pope. And then he would become uh, a cardinal. And now he's a lowly priest. Okay. Um, throughout the show, but um, yeah, da- I I love the f- a narrative. Yeah, it's it's a theme, and it's all his songs are in Latin. Um, they are all about hail Satan. Um, it is amazing, but yeah, he notoriously has like all the his um his band who's around him. They wear full demon masks mm-hmm. and the same black outfit, and it's all the same demon mask. Cool. So you don't know who the other members of the band are because he's the important one. They're his like minions. Oh, got and it. And so okay. Dave Grohl doing that with the demons around him, I believe is a reference to his time in Ghost. That's cool. Yeah, it's fun, right? Love that little little snippet. Yeah. Yeah. That's think, it. That's it. I think that wraps us up here for sure. So thank you so much for uh, listening to our first episode on Soundtracks That Slap month, um, <laughs> my birthday month. And uh, so glad to have you here. Please check it out for the rest of the month. We should be getting into some pretty interesting conversations that I'm really looking forward to. You guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we have a little website, horrorbabespod.com. If mm-hmm. you're enjoying us, give us a little rating, review on iTunes or elsewhere. Tell your friends, tell your family. Maybe not your family. I don't know. Um, depends on if they're cool or not. <laughs> but anyway, until next time. Bye, bye babes. babes. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe.